Ready to unlock your true potential and manifest the life of your dreams? Then I've got something super special just for you. Our mind-blowing self-love and manifestation courses. Picture this, a journey of self-discovery where you'll find a deep well of self-love and acceptance. Say goodbye to self-doubt and hello to unshakable confidence. Our courses are designed to help you embrace your worthiness and tap into the incredible power of self-love. But that's not all. We'll also dive deep into the transformative world of manifestations. You'll learn proven tools and techniques and strategies to align your thoughts, beliefs, and actions with your wildest dreams. So get ready to create the success, happiness, love, and abundance that you deserve. So what are you waiting for? Head over to candywashington.com backslash courses to get started. Again, that's candywashington.com backslash courses. So welcome, Christina. So for those of us who may not know more about you, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what really inspired you to write the book, Becoming Becoming Flossom? Thank you for having me. Well, uh, in a very short introduction, I'm uh, an entrepreneur and an author and a writer. Uh, that's probably like the top, the top <laughs> titles that I would, uh, that, that I would throw <laughs> out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, uh, of course, what inspired me writing a book? It's a, it's a non-fiction book. So obviously, we we usually are inspired by our own experiences. Although I would imagine that authors of fiction also get inspired by their own experiences. Uh, I, I was inspired by my own journey, but it is uh, a book which is uh, more, um, uh, I would say, philosophical and uh, and um, it's not about me for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, the the force that made me sit down and write was uh, COVID and uh, me staying at home for a long period of time and having a lot of free time at my hands. <laughs> yes, definitely. And also you spoke about your journey. So I think, like you said, with nonfiction, usually there's a, a crisis that happens in our life that inspires us to write, whether it's stepping away from Mind Valley, I believe, and then consciously uncoupling with your husband and then also wanting to step into your own truth in your own power and really the honesty of who you are. So during the writing process of the book, was there something that you learned about yourself or a challenge that you faced that even surprised you that you took away from writing the book? Uh, well, writing the book was definitely an interesting experience, and I've uh, I've learned my lessons. But then, you know, uh, being everyday life philosopher, another of the titles that I like to use on myself, mm-hmm. I do learn from everything, including when my phone breaks. Uh, yeah. There's a lesson in that. <laughs> everything carries a lesson. I don't think my life was uh, that much. Uh, <clears throat> uh, scripted as in pre- uh, before and after. Uh, it's uh, it's it's. Sometimes it's it's a very good scenario for a movie to uh, to take your character all the way to the bottom and then and then make the turn in the movie. Uh, life is not uh, quite uh, scripted quite the same way. It's it's a little different. So uh, my 
my path to that book started uh, way before uh, our divorce. I, I'm not completely uh, away from Mind Valley. I'm still co-founder and I still uh, am part of the team. Uh, although I did change my role in it quite quite uh, greatly, but a lot of those things were not the uh, reason for for this journey or the reason for that book, but. Uh, rather the consequences of my journey mm -hmm. uh, because I'm uh, I'm talking about being true to yourself and honest to yourself and naturally part of that is uh, changing things about your life so it's not like my life changed dramatically and that led me to this journey of self-discovery in fact uh, at the moment when I thought that something was wrong I was actually uh, considered a, an incredible inspiration. I had a business, a husband, children. Uh, I traveled the world. So, you know, everything, everything, uh, the facade was polished and very presentable, but I didn't feel happy. So right. it's, uh, it's a very, um, well, I think in psychology, it's called midlife crisis. <laughs> a lot of us go through that without realizing that this is an invitation to, to change something. Yeah, yeah. So I guess what I was saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's more of not the crises that getting divorced or stepping away or changing your position is the crisis, but living the facade is the crisis. And mm. so once you got clear on stepping into your more honest, a more authentic, honest life, then you were able to break away from that. And then, like you said, the consequence of stepping into your authenticity was, let me change what my role is. Let me reevaluate what my relationship is. So mm -hmm. for people who are listening and, and watching, what are some of those signs that you are living a facade and that you're not living your authentic truth that can then lead to you sort of dismantling that. And then from that place, building from that foundation of authenticity, building a truer life for yourself. Yeah, it's a it's a tough question to answer because, you know, the problem with delusion is that people who suffer from it are usually not aware. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's in the nature of delusion. So usually if you start asking yourself, then most likely you're right. Um, but, and also, not just that you're right. If you wonder or if you question yourself, then uh, you are in a, at an advantage because you're already uh, going somewhere there. It may be scary because it sometimes feels like you're standing on the door of, uh, you know, on an open door of the plane and you're about to jump out with a parachute. It is scary. But you are at an advantage because you already see the delusion. Uh, you know, a little bit like in Matrix. <laughs> yeah. Like, will you take the fill? But um, but the, the the real problem is that uh, very often we uh, don't realize that uh, there is an illusion until. Uh, well, maybe never, or and and in that case, maybe there's nothing to change. I mean, if people are happy in the in their illusions, then let them be happy in their illusions. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we we have the nagging feeling, but just don't have the courage to face the truth. So it's not like I wasn't authentic. We all feel ourselves to be quite authentic, or at least quite true to our values and and uh, you know what makes us us. But it's it's uh, it was more the fear of facing the truth. Do I have the courage to uh, to admit that some things are not working, even though on the surface they look perfect? Uh, the red signs, the red flags, yeah, to pay attention to. In my experience, are the feelings which you think you're not supposed to feel, mm -hmm. but 
here you see i have to also uh, come with the condition a lot of us are not aware of our emotions or our feelings or we live in that soup or again there's delusion which is so strong that it it expands to how we feel but if you if you judge yourself for how you feel or what you think then usually that's an invitation to sit down and ask yourself okay what's going on with my life and then maybe you will be face to face with your truth and then you'll know No, absolutely. Um, And I also want to ask you what your definition of authenticity is, because I love that you brought up, you know, living in delusion, because for me, years ago, I was like, oh, I'm going to be my authentic self. And I was like, that means nothing bothers me. Everything is cool. Nothing (laughs) bothers me. I'm just a yes person. Everything's great. And then I was like, no, Candy, that's delusion. And that's not true. That's a fantasy. So I had to learn what authenticity truly was, which was honoring what my own objectives, agency, likes, wants, dislikes, shadow, light, every aspect of myself and not judging it and accepting it and being like, this is who I am and that's okay. And actually how I feel, my own well-being is my best and first priority. And from that place, I can live an authentic life because this is truly who I am. Mm -hmm. And so some of the red flags and the signs of creating that self-awareness that you're not living an authentic life is sort of like living in that should space. Well, mm-hmm. I have the husband. I should be happy. I have the job. I should be satisfied, right? But just like you said, you have that gnawing feeling that you're not, that mm. still there's something missing, that there's still a part of you that's not fulfilled. And I think when I learned that authenticity really was just, this is who I am, all of who I am, and that's okay, and it's enough, And I'm no longer afraid to show that. So how do you define what authenticity is? Mm. Uh, For me, uh, maybe I'm a little bit um, nerdy in my definition of authenticity. No, you're fine. No, you're fine. (laughs) For me, the definition of of authenticity is uh, uh, your relationship with yourself. Mm. And that's as far as it goes. Uh, So uh, I think that you live authentically if you have a good relationship with yourself. It's healthy. It's open, it's honest. And uh, if your relationship with yourself is complicated, then uh, it's a little hard to uh, to stay true to yourself. I don't really uh, research authenticity very much because it's for me, it's just a side effect. Uh, mm-hmm. What I care about is uh, is um, how how are you in that relationship? So I would give an analogy probably because analogies make things easier. Yeah. Uh, in any kind of relationships, whether it's with your children, with your friends, or with your lover, um, for a relationship to thrive, you have to have certain um, conditions met. You have to have trust, uh, some degree of honesty, I guess, uh, also being present, uh, being committed. Uh, And very often that requires at least some level of awareness and uh, uh, well, and, and effort. I, and I don't don't mean to say that it's hard work. What I'm saying is that you have to be conscious in that relationship and you have to build it up for it to thrive. Uh, if you don't, if you're too busy, if you take it for granted, if you're never present, if you can't be bothered to hear, to listen, to be compassionate, then very likely a relationship is going to suffer. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly the same um, pattern in our relationship with ourselves. So for me, authenticity or being authentic or living authentically is a consequence of your healthy relationship with yourself. And for me, it's not uh, strictly speaking a goal, but I think it's uh, it's that thing that uh, just happens once you once you are ready to commit and be present with yourself. 
yeah, for me, it's more like self-love is the relationship to self. And then, like you said, a consequence of loving yourself or one of those benefits is that you naturally become more authentic. You know, it's almost like a byproduct of self-love is that you're able to live an authentic life because you have that relationship to self where not only do you know who you are, but you honor and respect who you are. Therefore, you show up as who you are mm-hmm. because you have that foundation of love. So self-love is, definitely, self-love is definitely a relationship, but there are a lot of different forms of relationship. A lot mm-hmm. of people have self, uh, you know, self-hate. Yeah. <laughs> Or self, uh, I don't know, self nagging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are a lot of different different forms of relationships with with the self. So, uh, self love is definitely the topic that I'm very interested in because I think that's the uh, that's the aspiration. But where that is not possible, then at least self compassion would be mm. would be a good su- substitute. <laughs> yeah, um, I have five soft life questions that I usually do at the end of. <laughs> interviews but I think now would be a good time to to ask them are you open to that yeah, yeah of course Perfect. it's your show <laughs> no but I also like to um honor my guest as well yeah so the first question is what is one thing that you would tell your younger self oh um it's it's a very uh interesting situation I wouldn't actually meddle with my younger self Maybe that maybe maybe I would be very tempted to warn myself off certain experiences and certain people, but I guess it would have probably done me a disservice. So no, I wouldn't meddle with my past past self ever. Ever got it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. And then number two is what is your definition of God? I am. Um, uh... I'm unclear on that. It's the one thing which uh, is inexplicable logically. There are signs that, uh, you know, you don't need to explain everything logically, but because I'm a very logically inclined person, I'm still searching and I have faith that uh, by the time I'm ready to face that entity, I'll be (laughs) a little bit more at peace with whatever my perception of that entity is. I also think that we very often perceive reality from our from our earthly body, which uh, mm-hmm. actually has limitations to a lot of things. Uh, I, I think if uh, if universe is as, as boundless as we, we, we know scientifically it is, there are definitely different shapes and forms of existence which open up our opportunities and possibilities. So maybe maybe the, this shell of a me is never to, to truly grasp what it is to be God. Mm-hmm. And then how do you self-soothe? Uh, I, I do not know if I have that kind of, uh, particular ritual. I just, am very, uh, present with my well-being usually. (laughs) So I, when, when life goes crazy, I, I do sometimes have to, uh, have to declare uh, an emotional well-being day and, and just stay stay at home. But my favorite places to be is uh, to be at home, to be with my book, to be with my children. Uh, so that, that would probably qualify as a self-soothing ritual. Yeah. And what do you want your legacy to be? Oh, God, there are so many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, definitely, I wrote the book to to stay there, to to stay for for I hope generations. So we'll see. Uh, I really hope uh, it's 
it, it survives the test of times. But that's that's the, the outward legacy. I, I believe that my children are also partially my legacy, although I can't, of course, take responsibility for, for what they're going to grow up into. But I did create them, <laughs> at least biologically speaking. Uh, and um, also have, sorry, I have also ancestral land within... Um, uh, with a home uh, where my family has lived for 400 years. So I'm uh, building it into museums. So I believe that would count as legacy. Uh, the only thing I haven't done yet, uh, I've written a book, I've uh, raised children, I've built a house. I haven't uh, planted a tree yet. So mm -hmm. I'm holding this off just in case, just in case somebody up there decides you're done. So maybe I'll plant it much later. <laughs> That's good advice. And then our um, last soft life question is, who are you? Uh, that was the first question of this interview. <laughs> well, no, that was the first question was more of like, you know, your background. But this one is more from your your internal spiritual space. Like who like who is Christina, the, the no, self, your, yourself? I have, a, I have a chapter in my book that's called Who Are You? Uh, so it's, uh, I guess I should eat my own dog food, uh, but I would, <laughs> I would say that I'm uh, a complex creature <laughs> with many different aspects. <laughs> and uh, if I were to pick one thing that my favorite is, is I think forever will be everyday life philosopher, because I, I like to, I just like to see the world and dissect it in my head. <laughs> I love that. And I know that you said that you wouldn't go back and tell your younger self anything. You wouldn't meddle with that. No. But what is something that you would tell your children? Oh, that's a different story. <laughs> because they, they still have their future ahead of them. Uh, I don't teach them. <laughs> I, uh, I'm just... Um, I think if... if um, if there was one thing I'd, I would like them to learn is to trust themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a hard one. But yeah. I, I do, I do wish they grow up learning. Uh, they, they grow up knowing how to, how to believe and trust themselves and their own judgment and their own, uh, you know, in, internal voice, because that's something which we contemporary humans lack massively. Mm. Well, I think, I think like, I think like we said in the, in this interview, a lot of that is rooted in the relationship to self, mm. that self-love relationship. And like you said, the, the consequences or the benefits of it, because when you do cultivate that relationship to self of acceptance and, and curiosity and questioning and awareness and authenticity, I think baked into that has to be trusting of self. Well, in in any relationships, trust probably is uh, a key, uh, mm -hmm. a key. So naturally, it's the same with yourself. But uh, that's something which uh, which I'm witnessing is uh, usually creating a lot of problems. The fact that we don't trust ourselves, so uh, we don't trust our uh, inner voice, our hunches, uh, mm -hmm. you know, our own uh, logical conclusions, uh, and. Uh, in the extreme cases, we depend on other people's opinions. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, that, that, that is a messy life. And uh, I don't think it's ever made anyone happy. There is a difference between, um, between depending on other people's uh, opinions or input and, and just asking for help when you need it, objectively needed. Mm -hmm. So trusting yourself is not about being uh, 
fiercely independent and doing everything yourself. It's just trusting, trusting your truth. Mm-hmm. And for people who are struggling with self-trust, do you have any guidance on something <laughs> that, they can, that they can do to start to learn how to trust themselves or open up to more their own intuition and knowing that at our core, our higher self, our inner voice always knows what's best for us? Well, if we recognize it, and sometimes we don't know, maybe. <laughs> well, I um, I think that trust is one thing that requires time to build. That's why it's trust. And uh, it, it, when we break trust, it's so hard to restore it because it's uh, it's this thing that requires some level of perfection, I guess. <laughs> uh, some level. Uh, I, I wouldn't actually, you, you know, I'm a little puzzled as to as to what advice to give. I would probably start with uh, with just compassion for yourself as the first step. And then I guess trust will, will uh, be something a little bit more complex to aspire later. Uh, a lot of people who don't trust themselves, they're also quite hard on themselves. So maybe maybe a good yeah. substitute for that would be just to learn to be kind to yourself and, and, and compassionate. And well, if you can't trust yourself, at least at least be there for yourself. Mm, I love that. Yeah, I agree. I think um, self-compassion and and really cultivating, I like to call it a loving lifestyle, like in my mind to talk to myself in a loving way, mm. just cultivate like a loving lifestyle of inner talk, of inner dialogue. Because like you said, you know, that, that self-criticism, that harshness, is what separate us from the love and the acceptance and the authenticity and the trust and to hold space for self-compassion, you know, holding yourself in a loving, graceful way, giving yourself grace to be human. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very often criticism comes, comes from the lack of trust. <laughs> you don't. You don't trust that you you know the truth, so you have to give uh, yourself hard love. Uh, I've I've heard that comment quite a lot that self criticism is good for you because it's uh, it's going to uh, make you want to change. That's from the lack of trust. I think uh, I think it's very often not being hard on yourself or self criticism or, or being uh, mean to yourself that makes you want to change. It's it's just. Uh, awareness just noticing what's going on in your life very often we we come up with forceful ways to change ourselves but in reality all you need is to just notice and when you notice with curiosity rather than with judgment uh you you will see enough to be motivated to change and to grow and to become better so there is an aspect of trust in in not criticizing yourself in in taking yourself with curiosity and kindness and compassion Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you said that, it made me also think of, you know, that curiosity and compassion and just to notice, just to observe yourself also leads to that part of accepting yourself of who you are. And when you sort of have that self-acceptance, that's also like when you can actually change because you're no longer resisting or fighting or thinking something about you is wrong or broken or not enough. Mm-hmm. When you get to that place of this is okay, this is who I am, this is how it is, that's fine, then that's what really frees up the energy and the space to intentionally change in a loving and compassionate way. But as long as you are, you know, criticizing yourself and talking down to yourself, and to me, I think that's really like Mm self-harm, that's when you're actually 
blocking the ability to change. <clears throat> yeah, I, I agree. You need to accept yourself. It's like with um, uh, with navigation system, you mm. can get your destination, but unless the navigation picks up your uh, departure, it won't give you the route. So it's important for transformation. It's definitely important to uh, to be planted in 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 the present reality as well, uh, because. Uh, it, it doesn't happen in the abstract. It happens from point A to point B. Exactly. Oh. Well, thank you so much, Christina. I know that this is our time. So I just wanted to say thank you so much. And I'm excited to continue to read your book, Becoming Flossom. And so for everyone listening, I have two more questions. One is, what is one thing you would leave us with, whether it's something we've touched upon or not? And then two is, where can we find you and connect with you as well? So um, the one thing that I would like to leave you with is the quote by Cinderella's mom from 2005 movie. Uh, when <laughs> that, 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 These were her parting words. She said, have courage and be kind. Mm. And I think it's very uh, appropriate to our conversation today. And uh, it's very easy to find me. It's Christina Mand everywhere on all social media, including my website is christinamand.com. It's Christina with a K, K-R-I-S-T. Uh, cut I N A M A N D. <laughs> I always find spelling uh, such a puzzling task, but it's, yes. it's Christina Mand. Yeah. Perfect. And I will also have everything linked down below in the description box in the show notes. So, Christina, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Candy, for having me. It was a pleasure. Me too. Bye. Bye. Ready to unlock your true potential and manifest the life of your dreams? Then I've got something super special just for you our mind-blowing self-love and manifestation courses. Picture this, a journey of self-discovery where you'll find a deep well of self-love and acceptance. Say goodbye to self-doubt and hello to unshakable confidence. Our courses are designed to help you embrace your worthiness and tap into the incredible power of self-love. But that's not all. We'll also dive deep into the transformative world of manifestations. You'll learn proven tools and techniques and strategies to align your thoughts, beliefs, and actions with your wildest dreams. So get ready to create the success, happiness, love, and abundance that you deserve. So what are you waiting for? Head over to candywashington.com backslash courses to get started. Again, that's candywashington.com backslash courses.